Hi, you're listening to the Rav Desla Pasha podcast with me, Avram Ziedman. Join us as we weave together philosophy, psychology and Kabbalah to uncover new depth to our weekly Torah reading. So now we enter into the book of Vayikra and the main subject is sacrifices, korbanos. And the obvious question is, is why? Why is it? Other than Hashem told us, but what is the message behind bringing a korban? We know that the word korban comes from the word kirov, coming close. So somehow bringing an animal to Hashem makes us closer to him. But, but why specifically in this way? Why do we have to kill an animal? So I like to collate several Rav Desla essays together and look at why specifically do we need to kill an animal? What is the message behind a korban? And why nowadays do we not have korbanos? Let's do it. Our purpose in this world is to be Megale Kavod Shemayim, to reveal godliness into this world. And to give an analogy I heard many years ago from Rav Leff, is that imagine you have a cardboard box, and inside that cardboard box there is a light bulb. Now you can't see that light bulb, so how are you going to get to see it? Well, you get a pen and you poke a hole in the cardboard box. When you poke a hole, you can put your eye to it and see the light from that angle. You poke another hole, and then you can peek through and see the light from a different angle. Every single hole that you poke, you get to see the light from a different angle. Now, it's all the same light bulb, but different pokings allows you to see it from a different angle. If you imagine, there are 613 holes that you can punch. Every time you're doing a mitzvah, you're getting to see Hashem from a different angle. It's not that there's multiple Hashems, God forbid, there's only one But when I'm doing a certain mitzvah, I get to see Hashem, so to speak, from a different aspect of that light. Hashem has different names. And when we refer to Hashem in different names, it's not a different God. It's the same God, but it means that I'm referring to Hashem. I'm seeing Hashem in a new light. There's a different aspect that I'm starting to understand. So when I say Hashem is Avinu, that means I relate to Hashem with his chesed. I'm revealing chesed, Hashem's kindness in this world. When I refer to Hashem as Malkenu, he is the king. And that allows me to see Hashem from a different aspect, his strictness, his justice. Or when I say Adnus, Hashem is master, I understand that he is in control. Every single mitzvah reveals a different aspect, and that's why we have different names for Hashem, because a different name represents a different whole of how I understand and reveal God in this world. So what does a korban reveal? When I bring an offering, what light is that revealing into this world? So it's interesting that every single time you see an offering, a korban being mentioned, there's only one name of God that's ever used, and that is the name Havaya. The Yud and the Hey and the Vav and the Hey. So what does that represent? Havaya means Hashem was, is, and will be. Hashem is beyond time. More than that, there is no existence other than God. Ein od malvado. Nothing exists in this world. There is no reality other than God. This world, so to speak, is like God's dream. We think that this world is real. I I touch, I feel, I know that I exist. I think, therefore, I am. No, there is zero existence in the entire universe. We are all just part of God's dream. And in a dream, you stop dreaming, the whole thing just goes kaput. It doesn't exist anymore. And when I bring an animal, 
I see there's an existence, this animal exists, I put it up on the altar, Oof! now it, it goes into smoke, it doesn't exist anymore. I take this message, there is nothing else other than you, Ain Od Mulvado. Or in the words of the Maharal, the whole purpose of the Korban is Lahodia to make known Ki behisboinen mitzias Hashemisprach ein etzel madregasen mitzias l'shum nivra. Vis-a-vis God, nothing else really truly exists. This concept is the concept of hisbutless, nullification of self towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nowadays we don't have korbanos, but we do have tefillah. And tefillah is in lieu of the korbanos. And Rav Desla points out that when I'm davening, I realize that nothing in this world can get its energy other than from Hashem, including my own ego, including myself. I daven and realize that everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If Hashem doesn't will it, it doesn't exist. If he wants it, then we exist. And with that knowledge, that leads me to nullify myself to God, to have his spotless. That still doesn't answer why we have to do this with an animal. I mean, why can't we just do it with money? Why can't we, you know, take some money, some notes, you know, and just rip it up? Or, or take some coins and melt it. With an animal, it's a little bit more, I don't know, gruesome. So Abdesla brings a recanti, and he says something which sounds very cryptic. A korban brings close the upper desires to the lower desires, and the lower desires to the upper desires. I hope that makes sense. What on earth? So, explains Abdesla. As we've mentioned in a previous podcast, there is the self, which is the lave, the heart, the emotions. But the emotions has two tools to help inspire it. There is an upper one and a lower one. The upper one is the brain, and the lower one is the body. A person can be inspired by their intellect. Know the knowledge today, learn something you understand something intellectually, you understand the logic behind it, and then it will affect your emotions. That is one way of influence. The other way of influence is, is that your body is so trained to do something, you create, let's say, a habit. That habit, even without any logic to it, if you habituate yourself, for example, I don't know, wake up at a certain time every day, then you will start waking up even before the alarm clock goes off. Let's put this together now with Rikanti. The upper desires... The Ratzon Elyon wants to get closer to Hashem. However, the brain doesn't always have a great power over the emotions. So therefore, the upper desires of the brain, the Neshama, who wants us to do what's right, will do something which is very physical to be able to encourage us to get closer to Hashem. And therefore, the upper desires speaks to the body, the instinct, and says, can you help me out over here? Can, we, can you help me to inspire this person? And when the lower levels, the instinct has been inspired, that will bring it closer to the upper desires of the brain to be able to bring the person closer to God. Maybe if I spell it out. The brain wants the person. The neshama wants the person to realize, Ein od movado, there's nothing else other than God. Only to Hashem, you should daven. Realize that everything is coming from one single source. But that's a very esoteric, very lofty intellectual idea. So therefore, what do we do? We bring a korban, an animal, and we kill it. And as you watch it being killed, and you watch it being brought up on the altar, and you watch all of its fats and its bloods being burnt up, that speaks volumes. Because our emotions are more closely attached to the instinct, the, the body, than the brain. 
If I was to watch an animal being killed and offered up, that would make a far bigger impact than me listening to a ship. The korban is meant to have a shock value to it, and when I see it, oh wow, that's what it means by Ein Ognovato. Wow, and therefore bring this korban, watch it as it's being shechted, watch it as it's being burnt up. That will have a physical impression, which will affect my emotions, which is exactly what the brain wanted to do. You are now bringing closer the upper desires of the brain to the lower desires of the body together. Unison working to be able to affect the emotions. A practical message from this for us nowadays, because we don't have carbonus, is that when we're trying to do musa, when we're trying to inspire ourselves, when we're trying to be able to improve ourselves, it's just not good enough. Learn about it in an academic sense. You pick up a sefer, you start learning a sefer. That's not where the change is going to come from. We need to create habits. We need to inspire ourselves. Put pictures in our minds. We have to visualize. Because that's going to have the bigger effect, and you know we're coming up to Pesach right now. Pesach is meant to be a sipper, you see us Misraim. It's meant to be a story because stories inspire us. It's not meant to be an academic pursuit. We're meant to visually view ourselves as if I went out of Egypt. Why? Because I am more connected with images and visuals and body rather than mere academic pursuits. So when we used to bring a korban, it wasn't some magical spell. It wasn't just some act. You bring the korban, and everything's going to be okay. The korban, the physical action, is meant to awaken inside of me a message of Ein Od Movado. There's nothing else other than you, Hashem. I am totally nullified. I am here, and I'm living for you. And therefore, someone who just brings a korban for the sake of trying to make Hashem happy, it's not going to work. Rav Dessa points out that the purpose of a korban is quality, not quantity. It's not how many korbanas do you bring, it's what's going through your mind when you bring it. The Medrash points out that Bilam said to Hashem, I'm going to bring hundreds of thousands of offerings. And the Jewish people, ha, they just bring one. Quantity beats quality. Hashem says, no, I only want from the Jewish people. In this world, this is a world of quantity. In the world of spirituality, and in the world of relationships, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. How much do I love you? This much! It's not, you know, it's about quantity, it's quality. Therefore, when the Jewish people started bringing their korbanas and said, Here, Hashem, what do you you want? You want another korban? Here, take another korban. You know what? I'll give you a hundred korbans. Here, let me bribe you with a thousand korbanas. Are you happy now? Hashem said that you're missing the point. And Kabbana stop. Just want to end off in a beautiful marshal I heard many, many years ago from Rabbi Dobololovsky. And I think this marshal is so helpful in many ways. Imagine a scene. There's this husband who always brings home a beautiful bunch of flowers for his wife every Erev Shabbos. And they have a five-year-old son. And every week, the five-year-old sees the father giving the mother this bunch of flowers. And he's thinking, oh, I want to be able to do that too. So he goes into the garden And he starts very carefully picking up weeds, beautiful weeds in his mind. And he meticulously, very carefully picks up each weed and he gets all the weeds together and he's very excited and he goes to his mummy and says, Mummy, I've bought you my bunch of flowers. And his mother goes, oh, that's so kind. Oh, that's so beautiful. Hey, we're going to have to get a cup to put it in. So she goes and gets a plastic cup 
and she puts the weeds in a plastic cup and says, let's put it just next to Daddy's vase with his flowers. And the boy is so excited. The next week he does the same, and he goes and he picks up these weeds very lovingly, very carefully, and he gets all the weeds for his mother and says, look what I bought you. And his mother goes, oh, that's so precious. Let's put it in a cup again. And he does this week on week, and he's very excited. But, as most five-year-olds, the, the novelty wears out quite quickly. And it comes to the fourth week, and uh, he just wants to play football. And he realizes it's coming close to Shabbos, and he hasn't bought his mother flowers. Oh, so annoying. So his mother says, come on, you need to have a shower now. And it's like, oh, no, I think we're the flower. Oh, I don't, oh, don't want to do this. So he just grabs some grass, grabs it, and shoves it towards his mother and says, here's your flowers. Take them. And his mother says, wait, 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 you don't have to give me flowers. It was beautiful when you did, but you don't want to give me flowers. You don't have to give me flowers. No, that's fine. Let's leave it now. I only wanted them when you wanted to give it to me, but I don't want it to be a burden on you. So she takes the grass and chucks it in a bin and says, look, now that we don't have the flowers, we're not going to need the plastic cup either. And she crumples the plastic cup and chucks it in the bin. When Hashem asks us to bring korbanos. Hashem does not get hungry. He does not need our korbanos. It was an opportunity for us to get closer to him and for us to recognize that everything comes from Hashem. Hashem is lovingly giving everything, giving us life continuously. As long as we want to bring the korban, then Hashem said, I'll accept it. But the moment we started seeing the korbanos as a burden, Oh, do I really have to bring another animal? Do you know how expensive they are nowadays? Hashem, just take the carbonus, please. Or what, what, you want another carbon? Fine, just take it. Hashem says, whoa, 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 whoa. The carbonus were for you, not for me. If you don't want to bring the carbonus, that's okay. And if we don't have any carbonus, I guess we're not going to need the Beis HaMikdash either. And he takes it and he crumples it and destroys it. We're not doing Hashem any favors. It's for us because Hashem wants to give to us. Tefillah is my opportunity to recognize that and to have a karasatoyv towards the Kodesh Baruch Hu. When we do that, then we get closer towards Hashem. Karbanas and Tefillah is an avoid shibalev. It's the work of the heart. It's not about, if we're davening for someone, how much Tehillim can we say? How many chapters can I get through? It's not about quantity. It's about quality. Wishing you all a great week ahead and Keshavas.